Hello and welcome to For the Love of Stories. I'm Jonah and today is a very special episode because we have a guest. Want to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Emerson and I am also here as the guest. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, just a warning, Emerson, because we don't have great technology. Uh, is just right now on a FaceTime call with me, so if the audio is a little bad, it's just because of that, but we'll review everything, hopefully. Um, so, I've been searching for a while now for a co-host, and possibly I found one in Emerson. So, welcome to the podcast. Emerson has uh, been prepared, thoroughly prepared for this, haven't you? Yes, thoroughly. Okay. Good, that's good, because, you know, it'd be bad. Um, is there anything you'd like to say? Any questions you'd like to ask? Well, I have to say a few things quickly. Sorry. First off, sorry that I've been gone a while. It's just I missed a recording in February because February was a busy month. Um, now a lot of our stuff we've been working towards has ended in March, which is good. So I'm gonna be, we're gonna be running hopefully on a monthly schedule. Uh, so that would be like every month another episode, and maybe if possible afterwards every two weeks. But that's just I'm trying to I'm trying to get these all out in time, and then second off. We have a website now. Pretty cool. So, if you want to see the website, the link will be in the description of this episode. So check it out and contact us. I think I can respond as long as the email gets into the right place. Um, but yeah, so go check that out. It's very simple. Uh, but I guess without further ado, we're going to get into the story, which I believe Emerson is starting for us. So are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, then let's get into it. Right, here we go. <clears throat> His was truly that of a place of beauty. Upon the realization of the cave, it became quite aware to me of the haze within the air. It was a haze of a million lives and those who had given their dreams to him. Upon entering, I was tested through the haze, the haze of desire and mystery, and as I passed through, he came to me, the creature in flesh and blood who healed me from the haze. Daniel Voliciana, Finding the Angel's Messenger. Emmy? Bring me all your dreams, you dreamer. Bring me all your heart melodies that may wrap them in a blue cloud cloth away from the to rough fingers of the world. Wait, Langston Hughes. Night fell and the ceremony of the Angel's Messenger was about to begin. The V's bunker was quite a spectacle, at least a sanctuary was. Both summer and autumn admired the murals on the ceiling, the gold sculptures of the nine lost souls and the creatures of death. To complete it, behind the altar stood a statue, uh, towering above the sanctuary, its arms wrapping around the huge room. This creature was the angel's messenger, the dream keeper, father of the nine and the bringer of life, who was fabled only to help the lost and who could only be summoned by the walker and the warrior. A small vent high in the ceiling allowed for a cool draft of desert air to fill the sanctuary. Arminet, sitting in the pew behind them, leaned forward and said, Summer, I do not pressure you. However, it is a most respected tradition that a member of the V get their first markings at the time of great loss. We believe the dreamkeeper shall see the wounds, the marks. I'm not a V, she said sharply, her eyes on the verge of tears. Arminet seemed startled, but only said, Keep her voice down. I believe the ceremony is beginning. 
A man stood up and moved to the altar, cowering under the size of the dream keeper's feet. His skin was terribly wrinkled and dry, his eyes filled with sorrow, as if he'd seen so much and wished for it to simply end. His hair was dusty and white, not fully spread across his head. How old is he? Autumn whispered, just a little too loud. That is our leader of religious ceremonies. At this time, he is 106. Yet there's much speculation that he is younger, Arminix replied, slightly annoyed. People can live that long? Autumn cried, terribly confused. They don't have intense life preservation in the paradises. Outside your controlled lives, we live in absolute freedom, with more power over life and death, no matter how much you you people think they are. Arminix said, and then the man began talking. No, not talking, but lifting his hands above his head, weeping and speaking at the same time. Our brother tried to Khatu Milo with our parents, our children, our siblings, our lovers, and all those who we hold dear have been taken from us. Around the sanctuary, other attendees made grumbles of sadness or indifference. Not by another outsider would these people taken, as sanctified by ourselves, the outsiders, but by the creatures of death who twist and turn and distort all they see, for they are the true children of the devil of earth. The sermon had now caught a few more people's attention. Now, as is tradition, bring forth those who the darkness has touched heart, the lost, so that the angel's messenger may guide them, guide them to the safety they long for. There was a stir, but no one stood. Summer, Autumn said next to her, I am no V. I do not abide by these traditions. Anyone? The man asked again. Arminix spoke from behind. Summer, you must, I must do nothing, cried Summer. Arminix's voice softened. Please do it. Please try. You do not have to live like a fee. You do not have to abide by our culture. But remember who you are, an outsider. And the dream keeper protects us all. You are the walker, the one who can summon him in flesh and blood. Give him some hope, please. Summer closed her eyes, breathed in and out, and then stood. From around the sanctuary came gasps and whispers. That's her, the walker. She's from the Hatu Milo. The poor child. Come forth, dear child said the man, taking a long pole and raising it towards the hand of the two of the middle two lost souls. I bring forth the essence of the dream keeper, which shall lead you to him so that he may speak with you in flesh and blood. The man pulled the vial from the two souls' hands and gave it to Summer. Drink, and it will guide you. He will guide you. He will guide you. Okay. The Crystillium had bought from Cranton Corp a fine paradise system to run the government from, which held the offices and residence of its highest-ranking officials. Over the years, it had become a tourist destination, a, oh, sorry, a tourist destination to see the lavish architecture and the rich trying to their best to outdo each other. One building was always off limits, though, that being the New World Coliseum offices also known as Control One. This luxurious office was built on a concrete island in the middle of an artificial lake for the use of the Crystillium only. It was best known for the Council of the Leaders of the World, representatives from continents meeting to discuss with the Grand Onyxcratistine, otherwise the ruler of the world, which was currently a position held by Zavis Winson. Zavis had spent most of his term, which was lifelong, cleaning up mistakes made by the first Grand Onyx Cratistine and gaining funding for the Crystillium. It was the it was it was this quest 
to pull the Crystallium out of bankruptcy that he began his friendship with Vildar Cranston, who in exchange for the Crystallium's support in his endeavors, invested millions of dollars into the government. As Zavis grew older, he began to see Cranston's more wicked side, and he struggled to gain control as he struggled to gain control. Zavis began Zavis began to try and cut ties with Vildar, but it was impossible, for Cranston was persistent. Ten days after the destruction of the Khatul Maila tribe, Mr. Cranston and 12 security jets arrived at the world leader's paradise, not to see the beautiful mansions, but to visit an old friend. He entered Zavis's office and dipped his head in a low bow. My, ro- my royal onyx cratocyne, he said, and dear friend, I come to you now in my time of great need. Zavis didn't seem moved by the gesture. Why do you come to me unannounced? I am the Grand Onyx Cratestine. Do I not deserve more respect than that? But Zavis, isn't there always an exception for friends? Vildar gave a wicked smile. Zavis drew a breath, fear filling him. How he, um, how had he never seen Vildar truly? He knew in that single moment that every mistake he'd ever made was coming to haunt him. Vildar continued. You may have heard that I have been I have begun ending the OPSP, otherwise known as the Outside Paradise Survival Program. Zavis sneered and said, Ah, you mean the eradication of outsiders. Eradication is such a strong word, said Vildar with a smile. We prefer to call it the cleanup after a long experiment. Then why must they be killed instead of re-entering, re-entered into our society? It is much more humane. You know that, Zavis spat back. I didn't want to show you this, my friend, Vildar said. He slowly pulled back his sleeve, revealing a horrific scar running down across the bottom of his arm. It was black and torn, and it made Zavis shudder in his seat. Grotesque, isn't it? Vildar asked. Zavis could only nod, filled with horror at the oozing, burning, disturbing gash which lined the arm of his old friend. I was attacked. The goal was simply to poison me. However, it went wrong. I barely escaped with my life. Yet this is the price I must pay. This was outsiders. They are rebelling. This is just the beginning. It wouldn't... Oh, they are rebelling. Um, this is just the beginning. It would be dangerous to allow them near our paradises any time. Why, I had no idea. But they couldn't have done this. Zavis stumbled through his words. The security, it's impossible. Preposterous. What could have happened? Vildar began to yell. You are a blind man, Zavis. You protect no one. Vildar was angry and Zavis was scared. He said, he said, you've no right to yell at the Grand Onyx Cratestine. You will end this massacre before you begin a war. Do you understand? The mistake you are making is great, old friend. You are no friend of mine, Vildar. Whatever you are planning, end it. Cranston seemed taken aback. Planning what? I simply came to ask you if I could use your army to continue my operation. But it seems you have made up your mind. I shall not bother you again. He exited the room, leaving only a fuming Zavis. Anger seemed to slowly leave him and was replaced by fear. He mumbled, not to anyone in particular, even not even to himself. 
I fear a war is coming beyond magnitudes ever seen. Emerson? The desert was harsh. Summer and autumn fought against the wind and sand, trying to reach the prophesied dreamkeeper's cave. Are we getting closer? Autumn cried over the howling wind. I see a stream of light, said Summer. It seems to end soon. Just follow me. Autumn was scared, deeply terrified. Who is this dreamkeeper anyway? Summer said it seemed annoyed. She said, a spiritual guide of outsiders. Now if we would just be quiet for five minutes, maybe we'll get there quicker. I don't see how stopping from speaking will get us there any fast. It doesn't. And I think we're here. They stood between two dunes, but no cave. Well, where is it? said Autumn. I think I know, said Summer. She removed her hook and began to control the sand. Come on, if you want us to go any faster, maybe you could help? Sorry, said Autumn. The sand moved away, revealing a small opening in the dune. It got larger and larger. Larger and larger. The cave, Summer said, and now now towered high above them. Ready? Autumn asked. Yes, said Summer. Let's go. The two took each other's hand and entered the cave to find the dreamkeeper. Just a word of warning before we get into this, because I forgot about to say this. This is a little disjointed, but I'm just working out having another host with me. So hopefully the story works. And today we're using a real poem. Please don't sue me, because I mean no offense. I think it's a great poem. So let's get into it. All right. Ooh, spooky. Well, not really. How are you feeling, Emerson? I'm good. Okay. Um, so... Yes, send a voice message if you'd like, because still nobody's ever sent anyone, except for, like, three people, which are all great, but none of that. I only could feature one, because, nah. Anyways, yeah, so send a voice message, link in the description. Check out the website, link in the description. Um, whatever. Uh, thank you so much for Emerson. Thank you so much, Emerson, for coming. It was wonderful to have you. Um, and I do hope that you can join us once again uh, next month or in the next two weeks, depending on how long it takes me uh, to write the next portion. But um, thank you for listening. Emerson, want to say anything before we go? Any any goodbyes? Um, thank you for listening. I might do this again. I might. I might. Um, have a good day if you are listening. Yeah, and have a good night if you're going to bed because, you know, sleep or is Or afternoon. Good. Like, you never yeah. know time schedules. Also, quick thing I'd like to do. I'm giving a shout-out to the people who are listening in... um. Bangladesh because I I can see where you guys are listening from and there are a lot of That's cool not places. creepy at all. And no, it's not. I mean, it's it could be, but it's it's cool, right? It's cool because people all over the world are listening. So I'm gonna start shouting out the less than one percent of people who are listening from around the world. We've got all sorts of cool countries. So tune in next time, hopefully, which is sooner rather than later. So thank you again, Emerson, for joining us. And if that's all, then goodbye.